My friends, hear the timeless good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul writes to a captive group of Christians in the region of Galatia who were being persecuted really by people called the Judaizers who said you had to become Jewish before you could become a Christian. These great words. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm. Here I stand, Luther said. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. My friends, the slavery of sin has been thrown off by the grace of Jesus Christ. Live in that gift, in Him, and Him alone, by His shed blood, we are forgiven. Amen. This morning we continue in My Heart, Christ's Home. And I hope you've picked up a little copy of that book. We're in the recreation room today. That's why you see the recreation gear there. And we will be looking at the Reformation as well as recreation. But we'll look at, look at the Reformation more in detail in January when we cover the five solas, the sola scriptura, sola gratia, and, and so forth. But this morning we're, we're turning to that cornerstone scripture of the Reformation, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Listen to God's word as I read what just struck Martin Luther so profoundly as he read it one day. For by grace you have been saved. Stop right there. For by grace you have been saved. Now, I was not real, really great at English grammar, but I think that's a past tense. In fact, it's, it's probably the perfect tense. The perfect tense means that it's a past action with continuous effect. It's happened. It's done. It's accomplished. It cannot be taken away. It will not be taken away. Why? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God not the result of works, so that no one may boast. Jesus said in John 15, listen, these words, on the night in which he gave himself up for us. My Father is glorified in this, by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Again, past action with continuous effect. Jesus loves us. The perfect tense. I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, Jesus said, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete or perfect, whole, without anything lacking. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No greater love has anyone than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And thanks be to God for that incredible grace 
in which God laid down his life for us so that once and for all, we could be saved by grace. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to your word and this day, we praise you. That we stand on the shoulders of those who have praised you and thanked you for what only you could do and have done in Jesus Christ. And so we pray that your good news would come now and find us not only in word but in power, in your Holy Spirit and with the full assurance that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts would be truly acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock and you are our redeemer. And so we pray all these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Amen. Well, as we've been saying, we stand today, a couple days early, on the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation of the Church of Jesus Christ that is marked by Martin Luther's 95 complaints. They're called theses, but if you read them, each one's just a sentence long. 95 complaints, and let's be honest, that's what they were. They were laments and complaints against the church. And he went down to his church in Wittenberg, Germany, and just flat nailed them to the door, much like uh, you see at universities where people post things on the door. That's how you got news out. Boom, that was the social gathering place. That was the Facebook or the social media of its day. And he went down there where he knew everybody would see that this is what he was saying. Church, get your house in order. I read these this week for the first time in in, in however long I could remember. I may not have ever actually read all the 95 theses. I knew what they were about. I knew that they were about the abuses of, of selling indulgences, which we'll get to in just a minute. But some of these are pretty complicated. So when you read them and you go, Huh? Don't, don't feel bad. And, but some of them are so obvious. Some of the things that he lamented that he was saying to the church, you go, what? That was happening? How did that take? Who was, who was watching the store when that got put in place? And he's, he said, this has got to stop. In fact, some of these have become so clear that they're utterly obvious. They're why we're here. It's why we are a Protestant church. In fact, let's do just a quick survey. How many of you were baptized Lutheran? Quite a few, yeah. And then the next generation, John Calvin comes along, and many of us were baptized as Presbyterians. But at the core of these these laments, regardless of whether they were Luther's or Calvin's or Zwingli's or Beza or Farrell or, or the multiplicity of people, They were God's lament. This was God saying, this needs to change. I love you. I love you with an everlasting love. I'm calling you to know me. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Jesus says, I'm giving up my life. I lay down my life for you. This is how you should live. It's all done. It is accomplished. At the core of these laments is a call to freedom, to a re Formation. That's why we call it the Reformation. Back to the core of the gospel message that are, that are yes, God's yes. Because we are in bondage from which no human word or institution can set us free until 
That one word that is above all words, Jesus Christ, sets us free. And in this, we are called to realize what Jesus came to do. To redefine what freedom is and to recreate us. Jesus Christ, the God of the universe. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Don't be confused. The most historically verified person of ancient history, Jesus Christ, was and is and always will be the God of the universe. He was before all things. He will be there when everything's gone. And he came in person to set us free and to redefine what freedom is and to recreate us. And that's where we get the word recreate. And we've confused that word, haven't we? Recreate. We think it means playing ping pong or something like it. But he came to recreate us so that we may be new people who really know what it means to be free, what it really means to recreate, what it really means to be reformed, and that we would delight in being recreated, that we wouldn't run away from it, but that we would run to it, and that we would love being reformed. We remember and celebrate this event 500 years ago because it echoes the call to us today to proclaim this same freedom in a world that indulges in that which imprisons. Indulgences in those days were something you could go to a particular region around Rome and buy, and it would set you free, it would supposedly. It was like the Monopoly card, you've all played that game, where you get out of free, get out of jail free card. You could go buy that. Luther was hated for saying, that is wrong. In fact, he said, here I stand, I can do no other. You see your bulletin cover where it says, I, here I stand? He was put on trial, threatened with exile, even murder. People tried, in fact, he, he had to be spirited out of, of uh, Worms uh, and Wittenberg because he took such a stand. And yet he said, here I stand, I can do no other. I stand on the grace of Jesus Christ. Indulgences, the church, do, do not dispense our freedom. Jesus Christ, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, his word proclaimed. That's the only thing that sets us free. We are called to stand on that same way. But you know what? Even in his day, even in his day, some of Martin Luther's own people in his church that he was the pastor of, went to great lengths to go buy indulgences. So you couldn't just buy them in every region. You had to go close to Rome where St. Peter's was being built to buy an indulgence. And some of his own people were buying these superstitious get-out-of-jail-free card. But that is where we stand today, calling people beyond that. You see, Martin Luther himself would have bought into this at one point. He would have thought, how good is that? He was so hard on himself. He beat himself. He, he tortured himself emotionally and physically because he felt so bad for the weight of his sin, which on some level is not a bad thing because he felt so indebted to God. But then one day, one day, this misery and self-hatred was taken away when he read our scripture this morning. For by grace you have been saved, Martin. It's done by faith. 
And he realized, I'm free. I'm free. I am free now and always. I can't buy it. I can't do anything to get it. We can't save ourselves. We can't ever make it happen. But God has made it happen. Our condition of being lost prevents us saving ourselves. But the grace through faith and the gift of faith makes it possible for us to become a new person. And when we are a new person, no one can take that away from us. Jesus Christ has given it to us. In my heart, Christ's home, Jesus says, I want to go with you on all your adventures. I want to be with you in everything that you are facing. I want you to know that I love you with an everlasting love. But in this little book, our voice comes through. And, and in this little booklet, the man is going out and, and Jesus says, can I go with you tonight where you're going? Well, he was going clubbing. He was being real honest. Now, you may not go clubbing, but we all go clubbing in a fashion because we go places that we would not say, oh, Jesus, I'm so glad you're here with me, seeing exactly what's going on. When I'm holding a grudge or being bitter or angry or, or vengeful or greedy or all the rest, insolent, lazy, slothful. There's our old nature, our old self that says, becomes a slave and says, you know what, Jesus? You go with me next time. This time, I'll fly solo, and it'll, everything will be fine next time. But i got to have this time to myself. And that is a slavery. That is a slavery. That's, that is our imprisoned state that we think there have to be outlets for us in which Jesus cannot be included, let alone be the life of the party. You see, that's just it. Jesus did not come to imprison us. Jesus came to set us free, and it's by his shed blood and his grace that he says, come, let me be the life of the party, because boy, when you're set free in me, you really are free. The scriptures tell us that, and I want you to know that, he says, because when I'm setting you free, that will be a party. Our freedom comes as we let ourselves realize that until Jesus the God of the universe, who is here right now, by the way, in the power of his Holy Spirit, until Jesus is the center, there will be no true and lasting joy. Just some thrills maybe, but in the end, frustration. As, as Augustine said, in the early centuries of the church, <coughs> until we have Jesus Christ as our Lord, we will have ourselves as tyrants. And we may think, oh, look at all the fun I'm getting to have when in fact we are just imprisoning ourselves. This is the Reformation, that Jesus came to take us back to himself and show us what recreation is, to be recreated. In the passage in John, we just read it, Jesus says he wants us to abide in his love, to take up residence in it. And he wants this, why? So that our joy may be complete. One of the biggest industries in this nation, perhaps this world, is trying to buy joy, indulgences, and it is the recreation industry. And there's nothing wrong with recreation. But when it substitutes for what only Jesus can do, it is imprisonment. Jesus says, I want you to put me at the very center of what's happening in your life because then you really will be free. Then you'll know what joy is. Anything else will be fleeting. It will mean letting Jesus show us 
that what we do apart from him, and we do that, what we do apart from him is incomplete and insufficient. It won't have been a transformation. Complaint number three, Martin Luther's thesis number three, that until that transformation has happened on the outside and is showing, or on the inside and is showing on the outside, it won't have happened. Let him come and truly be the transformer. It will mean letting him show us what real joy is apart from depending on the things and ways of this world, things that we think we can control but really only control us. That's reformation. That's recreation. It will mean realizing what grace is. And many of you can recite it with me. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. There it is, pure and simple. God's riches at Christ's expense. The extravagance, the extravagance of which is so great that when we know that, we no longer desire to go places and be places and do things that are inferior, places that we longed to be satisfied by getting or even getting comfortable with the standards of that have no measure of eternal significance. We're set free from those that do not include living in and by the love that Jesus Christ shows by pouring himself (laughs) into us, saying, hey, I love you. I know what's going on in you. I know where that deep ache is. I know where that deep longing is. I know what's itching within you. I know that unresolved need. I'm it. And you're looking for it everywhere else. And I'm the only one. He said, come abide in me and you'll know the answer. Jesus defined reformation and recreation in John 15 when he said, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is grace, to realize that Jesus did for us what no human recreation could compare to. And he said, I want to show you what that means to lay down your life for one another, because it's in doing that that you find hope. Jesus' first outward miracle, Jesus' first outward miracle, many of you know it, was at a wedding where he turned water into wine. It's one of Darren's favorite Bible stories. (laughs) Now, I say his first outward miracle because the first miracle is that he came in person, fully God and fully human, looking for you, looking for me, to give us a, a recreation and a reformation that we could never earn or buy. Now, in this wedding banquet, Jesus showed what real recreation and reformation are by turning water into the choicest substance. More than wine, he turned it into life. In him was life and the life that only he could give. And it marked his eternal purpose for us. He says, I want to give you life. I want to give you the life that really is life. So that our anemic, watery situation could be turned in to what we really need. You see, the need for this reformation is as profound today as it was 500 years ago. This is not just some dusty, historic thing that we throw out there and go, well, I guess we better talk about it. No, 
It's because it's, it's just as vibrant today. It's why I put it on every door of the church. It's just as vibrant today and needed today in our lives. In fact, if you want to peel those off and put them on your front door, or get, you know, that, that's what we need to remember. In the same way, we have the Shema. Listen, Israel. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength at every door. So those complaints about what it really means to be transformed should be ours. You see, the church itself had become confused then by the ways of the world as to what makes humanity whole. They were trying to sell salvation as if it were a human commodity, and people were buying it, quite literally. Now, wouldn't that be easy? If, first of all, if we really believed we needed to be saved, one of the reasons that our world has become somewhat insulated against that is, well, then I don't have to deal with it. But what if we really believed we needed to be saved? Wouldn't it be wonderful if you could just go buy it? You could just say, hey, honey, uh, could you put this on the Costco list? Could you pick me up a 55-gallon drum of salvation? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm getting a little low. But you know what? Even if you could get it in the Costco sizes, 55-gallon drums, Donald, right? Yeah. It wouldn't be enough. It wasn't then, and it isn't now. You see, that's the whole point. What we need is supernatural. It has nothing to do with what humans understand. We don't even understand our deepest need because we don't understand the fullness of who Jesus Christ is and what his shed blood means. But that's why our salvation comes that way. The cross and his shed blood does not make much sense to the world, does it? Tell, go tell the world, oh, by the way, I see what you're missing. You're, you're missing the shed blood and the, and the cross of Jesus Christ. They go, say, what? Scriptures tell us the cross is falling to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved. And that's us. And that's what we get to tell the world. It's not something you can buy. We need what only God can give by buying us back. We need to be repurchased. We sang about it this morning, that, that we have been ransomed. You know, even the Beatles knew this. Did you know that? Yeah. The Beatles knew this when they say, sang, I'll buy you a diamond ring, my friend, if it will make you feel all right. I'll get you anything, my friend, if it makes you feel all right, because I don't care too much for money. Money can't buy me. Oh, you remember. Yeah. Yesterday, as I was walking by here and Kid and Will were singing, <clears throat> the same thing came through. I heard Kid singing, How sweet it is to be loved by you. And then he got to the chorus, I just want to stop and thank you, Jesus. I just want to stop and thank you, Jesus. See, the world is listening. And we know these jingles, and I, I hope you go home with that song stuck in your head, either how sweet it is to be loved by you, or I don't care too much for money, because money can't buy me love. And I hope you think about that in terms of what Jesus is trying to say, because the church of 1517 and 2017 both need to realize that money won't buy heaven. Money won't buy what we need. We just got to stop. And thank you, Jesus. Yeah. 
The church needs to know the same thing. We, we may think we aren't making the same mistakes, but if Jesus isn't the center of our recreation and we aren't letting him reform us, there will be no recreation because there will be no joy in us. But there is, let me finish with this. There is one purchase. There is one purchase that can make us completely joyful, that will give us recreation and reformation that is complete and lasting and that nothing can take away. And it was made, that purchase was made by a young man. And it was made for you and it was made for me. It seems this young man was saving all he had and was working with all he had, JB, you'll love this, to build the perfect sailboat. And every day, with every ounce of love and resource and care, he went into creating this perfect boat. And finally, finally, it was ready for his maiden voyage, ready to sail. And he set that boat untethered to sail and watched as it sliced across ponds and lakes to his delight. And one day, one day, sadly, that boat disappeared. And he could not retrieve his beloved boat. Weeks passed. And as the boy walked through town one day, he looked up in a store window. And what did he see? There was his boat. He bolted into the store to tell the owner it was his and to reclaim it, only to be told, hold on, son, if you want that boat, you will have to buy it back. So he raced home. And he grabbed his bank with all of his savings, and he marched into the store, and he said, Mr., how much is that boat? And the man said, well, how much do you have? And the boy took his bank, and he shattered it on that counter and spread out all the money, and he counted it, and he said, Mr., I have $6.32. The man said, well, 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 isn't that interesting? This boat costs $6.32, tax included. And he handed the boat back down from the shelf into the boy's hands. And the young man took that boat caringly to himself and he said, Little boat, you are now twice mine. I made you. I made you with all that I had, all my love, all my resources. And now, with everything I am, I have bought you back. My friends, this is the gospel of recreation and reformation. God made us. God redeemed us. No human expense could buy what we need. God's desire is that we would know his love as our complete joy and that this would be our recreation, our recreation. Always sailing into the direction of Jesus. He gave himself to buy us back he put us on course to come to him, to reform us, to be his own, so that we could show this love to a world that is lost. May we always know this. May we always live in this grace. May we delight in it. And may we invite others to know this saving, recreating, and reforming love, the only saving love there is.
how sweet it is to be loved by you, Lord Jesus. Because nothing in this world can buy what we need. We need you. And we thank you that because of your amazing grace, we have this. May we trust in it. And may the world see that for your glory. In your precious name we pray. Amen. So remember, we have been saved. It's done. It's complete. It's yours. And as we go from this place, let that be known from our lives to the lives of others. Because remember, we go nowhere by accident. Where we go, God is sending us. Where we are, our Lord has a purpose in our being there. Because Jesus Christ indwells us, he has something he wants to do through us where we are. They would believe it and go, therefore, in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God the Father, the communion and the fellowship and the equipping power of God's Holy Spirit every single step of the way. Amen.